a Podcast One production. Hi, I'm Nat Kringudis. And I'm Cecilia Ramsdale. Welcome to The Wellness Collective, a podcast where we invite you to be part of our wellness community to share, learn and live better. In this latest episode of The Wellness Collective, we chat with Kelly Garnier, a GP who found herself suddenly immersed in the idea of business medicine. She talks about creating the interface between GP work and the workplace. We talk about the current health tsunami and what's happening mentally. She talks about how we should never waste a crisis. And finally, how to listen to the voice inside and how it is definitely not a monster. We hope you enjoy this latest episode of The Wellness Collective. Cecilia. Oh, hi. Here we are. So here's something interesting because in preparing for our guest today, I hadn't, again, hadn't thought outside of my little box that I (laughs) I tend to live in. I don't. I tend to... It's an expanding box. But, you know, you go to your doctor and especially for you and I, you know, we live in a suburb. We go Mm -hmm. to the GP for whatever that might be and the GPs in probably in whatever area that you're in probably see the same thing on repeat all the time. Oh, probably a lot of, I I guess. Right. Yep. But our guest today, she's actually a doctor in the CBD. Yes. And I then was like, well, the things that would be presenting oh. in terms of like even just mental and emotional health, mm-hmm. I feel would be very different from what we would see Ooh, in the suburbs. Out. I don't know. We're going to talk about this. But Kelly Angania, thank you so much for joining us today. I am very intrigued to learn a little bit more because I'm wondering, did you kind of fall into specialising in your specialist area, which you can tell us about, which I understand to be a little bit more of that side of things and, and well-being in general, because you were practising in the CBD or is that something that you chose to do? Yeah, no, not at all, not at all. Um, so my move to the CBD has actually been relatively recent, um, but I've had a, an interest in well-being for some time now. Um, in fact, I, I have a bit of a different background, generally speaking. So I grew up in South Africa and then followed a career in the corporate world first before I became a doctor. Um, so I've experienced a lot of the stresses and the burnouts associated with high-performance executive roles. Um, and so I bring that to the table. Um, and so at the end of my medical training, I chose to do general practice. And you start to see a lot of the consequences of not necessarily ill health from a disease process, but, you know, the, the, the cost to quality of life when well-being isn't a focus. Um, and, you know, I just feel that there's such an opportunity cost that I'd like to make it my life's mission to help people manage that side of their lives. Wow. Yeah, I think, I mean, I guess that's also another way of looking at it if you have that background. And I did read that in, um, you know, you started off in a corporate environment. I guess yeah. that would bring that awareness to you as well, um, that there's definitely need for a, an increased awareness, at least around well-being in the corporate. Although I do wonder now... How did you find time to become a doctor while you were working in corporate? I can't move on before we get an answer for that. Uh, look, it was my it was my deep, dark, dirty little secret that I always wanted to become a doctor. I uh, never told anyone in Australia. Really? And in those days, we used to have the newspaper. And I remember when the <laughs> HR section came out on a Saturday or Sunday, I would grab the whole sort of 10 pages and turn them over at once so that I didn't have to look at doctor's jobs because oh. I was so jealous and heart sore oh, that wow. I just wanted to be one. Um, And then eventually, uh, long story, story for a glass of wine, but eventually I told my then partner, 
at a birthday lunch after a few glasses of champagne, <laughs> I'm going to study medicine. And he could have said, you must be joking. But instead, he just said, great, do it. Yay. Went home and decided to study medicine, told my boss, gave him a year's notice that I was leaving um, the financial industry. And I had to sit various exams. So I studied at night, wrote the exams and got into medicine. Amazing, I amazing story. Uh, but I think it's important though, because if if you come to a job like that with a different background, I think like you're about to tell us, I'm assuming that, you know, <laughs> what you're bringing to it is completely different to if you'd finished Absolutely. school and then you went through uni and then you've gone through all the hospital and you haven't experienced anything beyond that. So it's... Were um, you ever going to sure. be anything else? Mm. I wanted to be an architect. Oh, yeah. yeah, right. That's okay, you know. Oh, you still got time. I can just draw some houses for fun. Yeah, I took a few few different turns mm-hmm. throughout my career, but, you know, here we are. Yeah, well, there you go, <laughs> sitting in front of a microphone. <laughs> oh, so tell us, how do you empathise then when you have people come in and and what have you seen this year in terms of the, the different, um, I don't know, health ramifications for the way work has changed for people? Oh, yeah. Look, there's so much. Um, you know, I wish I could be, give people the gift of sitting in my chair every now and then. Um, and you're absolutely right, Cecilia. Things have changed a lot. At the start of the year, I was actually working in Middle Park. Um, and then I certainly was. I was very <laughs> close by. I disappeared for an intended three-week holiday into South Africa to see my family. And one week into that, I learned my return flight had been cancelled and Australians were advised to get home and I tootled on home. Um, and it was straight after that that I started full-time work in the CBD, coinciding beautifully with the <laughs> no start of the pandemic. <laughs> so my timing was perfect. Um, so you're absolutely right. You were talking a little bit earlier about the CBD versus suburban um, presentations. You know, typically in the CBD in the past, it's been a little bit of executive health. Um, and quite transient where folk come in for work and then they have their suburban GP for the bigger picture stuff. Um, so, you know, we might have done a lot of scripts, some mental health care plans. We might have done a lot of sexual health checks. I've now seen quite a strong change, especially recently. So that's progressed with the course of this pandemic. Um, as we expected, the mental health tsunami is now starting to mm. come through. Yeah, you know, at, yeah, I have a, a very strong interest in mental health, and at the outset, I was naively expecting people to come in and to start to present. But I think people were just like deer in the headlights; they were quite shocked and traumatized, and just literally needing to focus on the urgent things at home. You know, kids needed to be buying desks for homeschooling, and you know, things were just up in the air, whereas now we're starting to see the trickle. Um, sadly, I think a lot of the patients I'm seeing have been carrying a burden for a little bit too long, so they're quite acute in their mental health, and so that, by that I mean they're quite distressed. Um, I'm starting to see equally both men and women, um, and it is actually a younger cohort that I'm seeing. Now, that might be a function of my work in the CBD, mm. where I have a lot of international students and other students, um, but it is a younger cohort. And indeed, the, the Lancet Psychiatry released a fabulous um, research piece on over 17,000 people in the UK recently. And we are starting to see that younger people seem to have 
a or seem to be more vulnerable um, to distress in this sort of situation. In once upon a time, before all of this, how often were you seeing patients for that kind of mental health plan as opposed to now? Yeah, look, it, it differs slightly. As a female GP with an interest in mental health, I probably do see a stronger proportion of, of my overall presentations are mental health. Um, and I enjoy that. Word gets round. And so inevitably people do choose you as their GP, which is great. Um, but it seems to have changed subtly in the sense that the people I'm seeing now are people who perhaps didn't realise they suffered anxiety and depression because it's almost like it's um, we've, we've all got a little bucket, you know, of resilience or energy and life stressors empty that bucket. And so for the most part, a lot of people are high functioning and they manage to fill the bucket with their self-care, you know, a bit of sport, a bit of nurturing, a bit of hobbies, a bit of you know, all lots of things that they put into their bucket. And so they can almost, and I'm using this in inverted commas, but they can almost get away with a tendency for anxiety or depression and function at a, a very strong level without even necessarily needing it to be managed. Whereas now something like a COVID, which is an unprecedented level of stress that has quickly come into our lives at quite a high level, has sort of emptied that pot, as it were. And so these people are coming in and saying, this is strange for me. I, I, I don't normally worry like this. Mm. I don't normally have my sleep impacted like this. I'm not normally so tearful. And so I am seeing folk who we would say in and medical speak, I guess, weren't pre-morbidly symptomatic at all. Mm. Um, so that's one thing. Well, maybe they would and never the have others, been either. Maybe they never would have been symptomatic because they had all of those things. Absolutely. And then that's really tricky too because then that comes with now a new label and then all of a sudden, who am I anymore? Mm. Like... I don't even know myself. I heard a great thing actually on a, a podcast with Louis Theroux um, and he was talking to another documentary maker who said, oh, I'm coping fine because I've spent my whole life catastrophizing and so I know what it's like to, to yeah, right. <laughs> be prepared for yes. big things that don't yeah, happen. Yeah, so yeah. I yeah. actually feel like he goes, for those of us who've had anxiety for our whole lives, we're okay. Absolutely. Yeah, right. Well, that's true That's too. a really good point and, and indeed a friend of mine's a psychologist and we've talked about the same thing. We have patients who've got known anxiety or let's say obsessive compulsive disorder and the response will be, no, I'm coping fine. I've been preparing for this my whole life. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, and then look, there is the other, um, you know, sort of presentation where somebody perhaps doesn't have an underlying anxiety or depression or even a tendency to that, but due to the circumstances of everything that is all of a sudden on their plate, perhaps they've lost a job. Perhaps they've lost both parents to this disease. Perhaps they've lost a sister. Um, now homeschooling. And all of a sudden they find themselves in a position where it's just getting on top of them and it is too much. Mm. I think that, so that, that's the other sort of presentation. The roller coaster is real. Oh, absolutely. I think too one of the, the, the things that is good to be to tell each other is that families aren't actually supposed to be together 24-7 because yeah. you just need your own space, whether you're an extrovert or an introvert. And we've talked about that yeah. before, about how you mm. find your energy. Yeah. Even if you are an extrovert and you like being around people, you need to have, even if it's 10 minutes, a walk outside, a sit down with a cup of tea, patting the dog, whatever, you need to have that time that is just yours 
to be able to reset yourself. And mm. when you are sharing a space with people around the clock, it's very, very difficult. Totally is. Speaking from being at home, I would be interested because I feel like it's in the in the vein of, you know, corporate wellness, but people are working from home. Mm. How mm. is that impacting the everyday person that you would, you know, see? In so many ways. Mm. Um, so, again, just the stress of the COVID environment is impacting our own wellness, which impacts our performance at home, whether that be as a mum or as a worker. But COVID aside, because we've covered a, a, a little bit of that stuff, the other side to working at home is also the social isolation, as you've mm-hmm. just mentioned. Yeah. You know, there's connection and then there's autonomy and they're kind of on a spectrum. Too much connection and it's not good for us. Too little connection and we've got social isolation <laughs> and that's not great for us either. Yeah. Um, and then as you point out, you know, kids should be at school. Kids should be learning and playing and carrying on. We shouldn't forget that for some folk, home is a stressful place and yeah. that doesn't just need to be around two mm. toddlers that are screaming. It could be domestic violence. Yeah. There could be drug or alcohol um, issues. You know, not everyone comes to work and thinks, oh, my God, I'm at work. For some people, mm. coming to work is a wonderful distraction from the stressors and the responsibilities they've got at home. Yeah, I think that's really important. I had someone reach out to me and say, because I was talking about this whole idea of mental health of children, and someone said, well, surely kids need to learn to be adaptable and I can't see why this would be a stressful situation for them. They're at home with their loved ones. And it's exactly what you've just said. Maybe home isn't a safe place. Maybe, But even if it is safe, that social isolation Mm. is really something he's struggling with because he wants to be around his friends. And from his perspective... He's got no friends. Yeah. You know, he doesn't understand that everyone else is in the same situation and they can't go and spend time with their friends either. And it isn't just him. He doesn't, you know, it doesn't have that capability. And home is safe and whatever, but it still doesn't matter. I want to ask the question about telehealth because... Yes. um, We were actually just talking before we started Mm. about having uh, telehealth appointments. And I would love to hear, I feel personally like they're not not quite the same. Mm-hmm. Although I perform telehealth in the clinic as well. Could you talk to the pros and cons of what telehealth yeah, offers? Of course. of course. Look, the immediate pro um, and immediate concern is that some presentations are just not suitable for telehealth. Okay. Perhaps Sometimes, you know, we, we sort of say. Are <laughs> <laughs> no, you not performing your own pap smear? You get a kit in the mail. <laughs> yeah. Doctor Case in you. point. Yeah. Exactly. Bad times. Um, <laughs> you know, there's this old adage in medicine that 80% of the diagnosis is in the history and 20% in the examination. And certainly with experience as a clinician, you get better and better at refining that history. Um, so there's some things, mental health, for example, that, that is beautiful with telehealth, okay? Convenient for both people, can be done in privacy, it's low cost, um, fantastic, tick, tick, tick. But let's talk about something simple and common, like the red eye, conjunctivitis. Now, yes, chances are it's just conjunctivitis, but what if it's not? And through a Zoom consult, I simply cannot do that examination justice. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And the risk to the patient, if I get it wrong, is quite high, okay? So, you know, there are a lot of even common presentations where really you do want to be in the same room as a patient. Um, But, you know, speaking to the obvious, in this sort of environment, keeping both the patient 
and the doctor safe with the telehealth consult is fantastic. It's also low cost and very, very convenient. Um, a lot of my patients have been um, expressing their delight with having telehealth mm. at the convenience, mm. especially shift workers. Um, and it's easier for me too, you know. So now I extend my appointment hours on a Saturday and on a Sunday because I'm sitting here, you know, I might put the dinner on and then in between appointments, I sort of just juggle that and, you know, so I can live my life as well. So that's great for me. Yeah. Um, I'd like to see more Australians coming forward if I can give a little bit of a plug yep. for mental health and telehealth. Um, I would really encourage them. Um, you know, those of us who do this work, we love it. It's a privilege for us. Telehealth is there. We're blessed to be in this country where it's affordable and available. Please present any concerns. Mm. You are never an inconvenience. Please present. I think, it, um, too, one of the great things that's come out of 2020 is that the discussion about mental health has just been elevated that bit more. I mean, it's we've been having it. You know, we've had Wayne Schwartz on a few times. He's got his whole his whole pucker up is about men's mental health in particular. But there's yeah. still that niggling little bit oh, where yeah. there's a lot of yeah. men in particular that are like, mm, nah, it's not me. Mm. But I do think that that this year and everybody dealing with all the new things that have been thrown their way and it has been discussed. And and even in terms of the government, there's been a lot of announcements about yeah. um, how much more money the government are putting into services and what have you. So it's it's being normalised more and that's got to be great, right? Can I just speak yeah. to telehealth just for a second? Mm. Um, I find with my patients, it's very different because I'm not necessarily seeing acute no okay. situation. Okay. So I actually find I get better results with telehealth because the patient has to take the responsibility themselves rather than when they're coming to see me, they are yeah. expecting me to fix the problem. <laughs> Whereas when it's telehealth, yeah. it's a completely different scenario. But I do love telehealth for that reason because pe- they have to step up and take responsibility. Having said that, I'm just always treating periods. So, you know, it, it's just a bit <laughs> It's <laughs> a little bit different, but, but, but I do particularly enjoy the telehealth for that reason to empower the patient to be able to take yeah. the responsibility. Absolutely. I do see what you're saying. It's you know acute situations and especially mental health too. Sometimes people need just that connection, and if you can yes. if you can have that through yes. uh, a Zoom call or whatever, then awesome. But sometimes it's about sitting in front of someone and feeling that. Con- I think that's the connection that we're all craving right now, really. You yeah. know, and, and, but I think it's great. What I do particularly love is, and this is a bit cheeky, I have to say, but no, I, I, I <laughs> never <laughs> I had an appointment with the doctor the other day. I just wanted some blood tests run. And, um, and so it was really awesome because he says to me, oh, well, and obviously as a practitioner, yeah. he's like, oh, well, I suppose you want the results then. And I said, okay, I've never had this offered to me before. And he's like, I'll just get them sent to you, no problem. And I was like, well, thanks, COVID, because all of a sudden I don't have to necessarily go back in to get my results. I can do the thing I've always wondered. Can Mm. someone just ring me and tell me what's going on? (laughs) And now it's it's actually ethical to do that and legal to do that. And I'm sure that cuts down time for exposure and all sorts of things for for doctors as well. So I was very happy with that. Mm. Yeah, I was like, thank you very much. It's awesome. (laughs) Look, I think there are, you know, if, if we let it happen, there are a lot of good things that will come out of this. that you say that about the, the corporate landscape because uh, I did hear some statistics today on my way in, listening to some highbrow radio, and uh, they're talking about efficiency of work is down 3%. 
So which adds Just up to between 3%? five to 15 minutes per day per person. And I thought, really? surely people no waste way. between five and 15 minutes a day when they're in the office. I watch my staff go and check their phones. <laughs> they're wasting more than that in the office. Yeah. Um, yeah. I read on your website, and I loved this, that you talk about the need for us to recognise, and I'm sort of changing lanes here a little bit, but the importance of listening to the quiet voice inside, um, which I loved. But I wonder if you might be able to share with the listeners especially now, how the heck do we apply that, like in the current yeah. circumstances? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I know. So a, a couple of things. I could talk about this sort of stuff forever. Go on. Um, but, you know, I've heard it said somewhere along the timeline of this pandemic, never waste a crisis. And I think for all of us, we know we have that little voice inside, which maybe was telling us things like, you've always wanted to be a X but you're a Y, or you know you're not being treated as well as you ought be in this relationship. This isn't good for you. Or you've always wanted to become a mum. Or take that trip or build that house. You know, whatever it is, it's your personal journey, honour that. And I think, as I say, there's nothing like a crisis to put you in a place where you turn inward. Mm. And the people who will do best, and again, I'll use the word best out of this pandemic, are the people who are prepared to look in the mirror. The people who are going to struggle are the people who don't want to or can't look in the mirror. You know, and we've all been there. Um, it's Sometimes it's not pretty. It's not easy. But that's where the gold lies. That's where, you know, if you're prepared to dig deep, and look inside. And the other thing I say to patients is the irony of all of that, we avoid doing that. But when we do, we see there's actually no monster inside, you know. And, uh, you know, some people talk about the, the child within or the inner child. It's about just practicing oodles and oodles of self-care and compassion and then getting yourself back on track. I think too- No judgment. Get yourself back on track. Because you're worth it. You know, I, I truly believe that each of us is completely unique. Yeah. It's not for me to judge your journey. It's about me creating a safe space for both you and I to be true to ourselves and honour that, that journey. I'm glad you said that. And I think that. a crisis is a wonderful mm. time to do that. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because one thing that keeps coming up is people feel lost at sea, not being able to plan anything for the future. But I look at it from what you've just said there, I look at it completely in the opposite way. I'm like, well, you know, you plan what works for you. So you can plan a trip. You may not know when you're going to take it, but by the time you get to take it, you'll have saved this money. You will have had the time to plan out exactly what you want to do with that time. This is going to be the trip of the lifetime. You want to renovate your bathroom, this is a perfect time for you to actually put that plan in place. Like you say, you know, so you may not know when it's going to happen, but planning doesn't need to have a timeline and the amount of goodness that you get in your, I don't know, in, in your your mental well-being and stuff of, of being able to take charge of something I think is is really huge. Mm, definitely. And also I think um, we were talking about mindset, Nat and I, and I wanted to bring that up. Do you think in this sort of situation trying to work out how to adjust your mindset, is that as important as medicine? Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Um, I'm, you know, I feel personally very strongly about the power of the way we choose, and it is a choice, the way we choose to think about our circumstances. Okay, so each of us three could have exactly the same thing happen to us right here and now, and we each choose a different response. Um, now, part of the battle is convincing people, and sometimes they do need to conv be convinced that they've actually got a choice. You know, so much um, about some of our innate behavior can be reactive mm. rather than responsive. But with response and the choice to respond comes what you were saying earlier, personal responsibility. And so if I'm prepared to accept that actually I take responsibility for my happiness, that's empowering. That's wonderful. But I do need to make that big, bold step of taking personal responsibility for it and not blaming you for my circumstances or the government or whoever. It's my responsibility. So, yes, I absolutely, absolutely believe wholeheartedly that mindset is critical. Um, obviously, there are you know, certain things that need medication or treatment or medicine. Um, you know, yeah, that, that's a given. But for me, in terms of how I manage my own life and my patients, I will always try and work on both. There's so many different facets, isn't there? And so many different, um, it, it really is about building that team around you as well, having the right, I call it your cheer squad. I say to my patients, you've got to have your cheer squad. You've got to have the, the doctor that hears you. You've got to have the yeah. therapist that understands, yeah. you know, that you can connect with. I think that's what I think is probably missing. Um, and I love I love your um, whole, you know, attitude and awareness to all of this. I want to... Um, I want to say, and you, I want you to use, like, I want you to take this. I want you to tell me this. <laughs> no, I want, I was like, I, I wrote down business medicine. I'm like, you have to coin that term because it's, I think it's awesome. Like, I think that I just don't think we think about the impact of our, we get the whole work-life balance and yes, you know, we have to try and strive to have some type of balance, but mm. what is that? But I think being able to be heard by our doctor about how our work life is impacting our health, I I don't know. I just think that that's really important to have that discussion and I haven't really thought about it that much, to be honest. You know, I started thinking about it probably two to three years ago. I never expected the pandemic to hit, um, but I was sort of you know, by that stage, I'd reached the end of my general practice training. And when you get to the end of this training, your head is full of knowledge and passion. And I just see GPs in particular as the bastion of primary health. And I just think there's a missed opportunity. Why we don't have an interface between general practice and the workplace, I don't know. Um, and I just feel that so much of what, what is in a GP's head can be promoted and explored in the workplace. When I talk to people in the consult room, it's one-on-one. -on -one. I make a difference one person at a time, one appointment at a time. But imagine if you've got general, practice, general practitioners into the workplace mm. who maybe give a lunch hour talk 
or maybe do a coaching spiel, you know, and it, it could be demographic appropriate. So let's say we've got a law firm with mostly young professional females between the ages of 25 and 45. You could come in there and you could talk to them about screening for sexual health. You could talk about domestic violence. You could talk about safe drinking habits. You could talk about, you know, anything that is appropriate to that demographic. And that's the beauty of being a GP. You should be able to do this. Mm. You know, when somebody walks in the door, I have got no control over their health literacy, their sex, their presentation, their demographic. Whatever comes at me, I've got to respond ethically and professionally. (laughs) And I can do that, thank you to my training. Um, But I would love to see more general practitioners doing this in a community sense. Um, It may be made easier with the online environment now where you can host a Zoom, you know, meeting. Um, But, yeah. Just, just a personal passion of mine, and I don't think I don't know how um, how well it'll be received. I think any time you try and change a mindset, it takes a while. But I'm happy to do that. I love the love the conversation. I love the the light that you're shining on it from um, a different perspective, and I think it's really important. And you get to be a voice to start to create some change within the even just the GP community. I think that's really yeah. great. Love Absolutely. it. Kelly, Thank where, you. where can people find um, more of your work? Where, where, bleh, let me start again. Yeah. Kelly, where can people find <laughs> more about more? Take three. Take three. Okay, Kelly. Now, where can people find out more about you and uh, book in to see you even for a telehealth if they need to? Sure. So I wear two very different hats. Um, so, and the two hats can never be worn at the same time. Oh, okay, for lots of different reasons. Yes. So, clinically, I work as a general practitioner at QB Medical in the city. And then on the other side, in terms of my business and my passion for the corporate stuff and individual coaching, that business is called Redefining Health. Great. Um, and you can find me on my website and we can talk there. And of course, that's available in a, an online format as well and in person when available, awesome. you know, pandemic-wise. I love that you say you've got two different hats, but yes. they, they work together so well. You know, <laughs> might be wearing this hat, but you're, you know, borrowing your knowledge from over on the other hat. So that's fantastic. Now, Cecilia, go on. I'm looking at the reviews Sorry, as Kelly, I like to do. At but the end of the episode, we need to go to the review. Um, no, this one is okay. really long. Oh, okay. Um, and I must have made mention of using just the name Jenny in an episode previously and mm, masks and mm. thinking that, oh, is that you, Jenny? But oh, actually, no, it's oh, not so Jenny. Jenny wasn't a real person. No, I just made that up. I was oh. like, microwave Jenny or Jenny Jenny? Oh, no, I no, thought Jenny no. was real. Okay, anyway, but this Jenny's real. It's titled, it's Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, lovelies, it's Jenny here. But not the Jenny you thought you saw behind the mask, Nat. If I had seen you, no doubt I would have made sure my eyes were smiling like they always do when I'm listening to you and Cecilia on your life-changing podcast. That's nice. You guys have fast become part of my ritual. As I jump in the car, wave goodbye to my two and four-year-old and head to work. How happy I was to discover the episode today and felt like I'm part of the afternoon celebration. Your podcast is always a celebration. I've learned so much and feel like you two are my old friends. We are. Yes. I recently had to embark on a long drive to visit my mum in hospital and was extremely anxious leaving my babies for the first time overnight. I sat in the car and suddenly realised how I was going to get through the trip with you and your guests guiding me. For that, I am eternally grateful. Thank you. Aww. That's great. That's excellent. Thank you, Jenny. Well, that's why we do what we do. Thank you, Jenny. Yeah. If, um... 
If you're wondering how to leave a review, it's not very hard. You literally just go to the podcast, click the five stars and mm. it says leave a review. You've got to do it on Apple though. You need to do it on Apple. Mm. But we'll be very grateful and we love reading them out and um, we love hearing about what you love hearing. Yeah. And maybe any suggestions or... Totally, otherwise you just get what we want. Don't forget also to connect with us on Instagram, the uh-huh. Honest Collective Podcast. Yes. We love that as well. Oh, we do. I know. All of the things. Yep. And we love learning about new things. Totally. And today, this is this is great. I, you know, think about work and maybe if you're sitting there going, oh, I've got to get back to that Zoom meeting, have a think about it. Before we leave, actually, this reminds me, I've got one real corporate friend. The rest of my friends are, you know, flaky Pre- like me. Pretend working uh, friends? Yeah, or? pretend working friends. Mm-hmm. Um and I spoke to her the other day on the telephone, old school style, mm. and I haven't seen her for months because she lives on the other side of town and may as well get a passport for that. And um, anyway, she said, oh, we talked about doing a Zoom, but I just do not want to do any more Zooms. I just want to yeah. talk to yes. you because the Zoom thing is just doing my head yes. in now. And I thought, isn't that interesting? No. You don't want to see your friends that way. That's how you're doing all, you, all <laughs> your meetings day after, after day after like, day no. after day. Oh, yeah. my goodness. So, yes. you know, you don't know about these things unless you're living them. And I'm sure there are a lot of people in corporate life whose world has gone a bit yes, 180. Definitely. And, well, yeah. now we've got some resources and we've some got things Kelly. to think about. Woo! We've got Kelly. <laughs> awesome. Well, we do, as always, we've loved recording this and we do hope that this latest episode of the Wellness Collective has left you feeling happier, healthier and better. Thank you.